0: That's my impression of a roller coaster. Yeah, 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 yeah. We gotta get out of this
1: place. If it's the last we ever do,
0: we gotta get out of this place. This a better life for me and you. Hi, my name's Jim.
1: Hi, my name is Kirsty.
0: And we're trying to escape, escape Hamilton. Hamilton. Well, I say...
1: Good evening, old chaps, or whatever time you choose to listen to this Podicus Custicus.
0: We return to you with the most sensational tales of a room from which we have escaped most recently.
1: Yes, it's a tale of ripduggery and filth starts.
0: Yes, and there were many a magical, mysterious, mechanical mystery in this very vestibule that we sought from which to escape. Yes. Why are we talking to you in these most curious vocal intonational patterns, I hear you ask?
1: Well, well, we might say. Well, we, 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 might, we might answer.
0: Oh, hang on. Kirsty's broken. Let, me, <laughs> we just, might let answer. me just open the cabinet on her back and spin some of the gears and dials around and clink, clunk. There she goes. Shut again. How are you, darling?
1: What, oh, old chaps. <laughs>
0: We cannot keep these voices up for the whole show.
1: Oh, but why not? I'm sure our listeners are enjoying them so very, very much. Oh. Uh...
0: You we'll, are. We'll... You are. It has been told that you are enjoying them.
1: The call of Cthulhu tells you that you enjoy the twee voice of the Jim and
0: Kirsty. Well, it's funny that you should bring up the call of Cthulhu, because this room that we did was the steampunk submarine room at Lilliput Fun Zone Escape Rooms in Center Place. And I have a feeling that in our dive down into the depths we brought back the infliction of a curse from an unfathomable monster of the deep in the sort of unknowable Lovecraftian sense because Folks, this is our third time recording this episode. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, we 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 tried to record it just after we did the room, but we were afflicted by the sniffies. Yeah, we and, had the sniffies. Yeah, technical term. Yes, and and we just weren't feeling up to it. We didn't have the coronavirus. We just had the sniffies.
0: Yeah. And our brains were full of gunk, which Mm. meant we couldn't talk properly or think properly. Yes. And then we recorded this a few days ago, and it went fine.
1: It was transcendent, guys. It was, I should say, the perfect podcast.
0: And you will get to hear that never, because when I went to edit that episode, uh, Audacity crashed. So people often come to us, because we're seasoned podcasters at this point, and they say to us, Jim, Kirsty what's some advice that you can have for people just starting out in the podcast game? And sometimes that's advice about following your dreams or creative ambitions or things like that. But no, the advice is if you're editing in Audacity, make sure that you don't copy and paste the files into the same folder to create a backup. You need to use Audacity's save as feature to create your backups rather than copying and pasting the AUP file and the underscore data file into the same folder as the original. Because otherwise, if the original gets corrupted, then the backup is going to get corrupted as well. And that's what happened to us, a.k.a. The infliction of a curse from the most unfathomable monster from the deep.
1: Hmm. Thank you for explaining that, Jim, because I'm not the one who knows about the sound files. And so when you said they corrupted, I was like, ooh, is our file like Anakin? And there's a Palpatine (laughs) just trying to manipulate our file into turning to the dark side. And I thought, well... You know, even though Anakin turned to the dark side, he still functioned for <laughs> some time as a Jedi, so perhaps our files could still function for some time as files, even though they are now evil.
0: Yeah, the the AUP file, it's wearing a mask, it's blown up a planet. Mm. I haven't seen the prequels, so I don't know that much about what it actually means to be corrupted and go to the dark side.
1: I, I saw the prequels when I was little, so I thought they were great. <laughs> And that's the sound of everybody hitting unsubscribe at once.
0: All of which is to say that we did the steampunk submarine room at Lilliput Fun Zone Escape Rooms in Centre Place. So Centre Place is a small shopping centre. It's a mall in the middle of the city, or the centre of the place, Place. if you will. Mm. And the escape rooms are attached to a larger complex called Lilliput Fun Zone, which has... um, VR experiences. Um, Laser
1: tag. And um, mini
0: golf, mm. which is where the putt comes from yes. in Lilyputt. Because it's Lily Putt with two Ts. It's hard to make that sound right when you just say it out loud. Lilyputt. Yes. <laughs> L- Lilyputt.
1: But it also makes you think of Gulliver's Travels, which feels like in the same ballpark yeah. as a steampunk themed room.
0: Exactly. It's adventurous and it's in the past. Yes and there's magical worlds.
1: Yes. Yeah, the same thing, Same thing, same thing, basically.
0: And full disclosure, this isn't our first time visiting Lilliput Fun Zone escape rooms at Centre Place. We went there first, in fact, when we did their Game of Thrones themed room, which was Overthroned, and that was the unaired pilot of Escape Hamilton. The episode's pretty fun, the audio quality is pretty dire, uh, we decided to keep it in the vault. We're going to do that room uh, again some at some point, or we'll maybe release that episode. We're still working that out, um, but for now, this is our first time going to Lilliput Fun Zone escape rooms at Center Place that you will have heard. Mm. Um, how would you describe Lilliput Fun Zone escape rooms at Center Place?
1: part fun zone escape rooms at center Place are I would say the only escape rooms in Hamilton that sort of encourage walkups
0: yeah, yeah. I think that's partly virtue of their location mm-hmm. that they're in a shopping center although even then they're on the like up of not there's two floors to center place and they're on the the upstairs one so it's not there aren't as many people walking by as downstairs yes but it's still more than most other places.
1: Yes. I mean, if you are a dedicated listener and you remember our Atlantis episode, I described them as like a kitchenette backstage at a theatre. I feel like walking into uh, Fun Zone escape rooms is kind of like going to the movies, a very similar feeling to going to a chain of cinemas and buying a ticket and then going to a movie.
0: Maybe we're just projecting them because of its connection to the laser tag putt-putt place. where are sort of seeing it as being fairly corporate. Mm.
1: Um, not saying that's a bad thing at all. No,
0: not not at all. I think they've also tied in the themes of their rooms to sort of pop culture franchises, because there's uh, the Game of Thrones one, there's one that's hinting at being a Harry Potter one. Yes. So it's definitely designed with an eye to people who might be coming in uh, from the mall, which isn't to say that the other places aren't appealing to the public, I. I have I have I c I, I can't finish this off. There's no good way to end this train of thought. So what I'm gonna do is I'm getting out of the train car, I'm putting hanging up my pilot's What's the what's the person who drives a train who's not a pilot?
1: Oh, the, I, I think the you just ch- call him a train driver. Or
0: Or, her. or, or, or her. them. Or I'm them. I'm
1: sorry. I'm a sexist wow. piece of shit.
0: Hey, everyone. Uh,
1: Kirsty is cancelled. Yeah.
0: G- hey, everyone. It's Jim here. Just letting you know that um, I've had to cancel my wife um, because she has really problematic views about train drivers. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry that she continues to be in this episode, but what can you do?
1: Hey guys, I grew up watching Thomas the Tank Engine, and they had some very problematic depictions of the genders of train drivers, so I feel like I just really internalised that, and I'm working so hard to just kind of de my brain, and I just don't want you to give up on me, you know?
0: Give up on me. I know you already have. Okay, (laughs) now... (laughs) So let's start by talking about the design of the room from like a production design aesthetics point of view. I have a hot take. Ooh, Kirstie's yes. got a hot take. Kirstie's got a hot take. It's real, not fake. It's a hot take.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So I would argue mm-hmm. that this is in fact the second steampunk room we have done. Go on. Yes. Um... So, this is tenuous, I will admit that up front, but I think the first steampunk-themed escape room we did was the first room of the Atlantis escape room. Mm. Yes, because um, the first part of the Atlantis escape room was an old-timey sailing ship, and so I think they wanted the players to make the logical leap in their minds to Disney's Atlantis, which was steampunk.
0: Ah.
1: Yes. And so we talked in... I keep on going back to the Atlantis episode, but I think it's a really useful kind of dichotomy of the two, two kinds of escape room you can have. And so Atlantis, the set dressing, was realistic and immersive, and it really helped you to suspend your disbelief. And in comparison, Steampunk Submarine was very impressionistic and abstract and it was more like a steampunk dream than a steampunk reality. There was kind of woodcut cogs super glued to the walls and dark paint in copper and brass colours and that's what I think about the set.
0: I think the the difference for me is that the steampunk submarine set
1: set yeah I was, the we'll call it a set why not?
0: The steampunk submarine decorations were a lot of it was painted onto the wall mm-hmm. rather than trying to make it look like it was actually there, and like there are some theater sets where they are trying to recreate to the nth degree the reality of that space, there are some theatre sets that are are trying to suggest uh, the location without filling in all the details for you there. Mm. And I think in an escape room that's an important thing to consider because if everything feels real then the players are going to want to go and touch everything and interact with everything and expect that everything will be used. So if you can just paint them onto the wall rather than actually having them there then you're creating the same feel of the space without misleading people as much.
1: Mm, Yeah, this is an interesting part of the broader kind of game design discussion. How do you delineate between what is set dressing and what is part of the game? And... Some people choose to use red dots, which is completely valid. And some people choose to use slut, like very subtle variations. Subtle di- variations. Slut- slutty variations.
0: <laughs> which is my favorite orchestral reworking of In This Club by <laughs> <Yeah>. Usher.
1: <laughs> I was playing In This Club by Usher earlier. It's an excellent song. Would you say that it's a slutty song? No. What's a slutty
0: song that I can use instead?
1: I just want to talk about how beautiful love in this club is now. What's a slutty song?
0: See, I can't think of slutty songs that are, like, empowering rather than men talking about... Something sex
1: positive.
0: Yeah. like Boys? I, I think the concept of sluttiness is so tied up in male fantasy that it's hard to find something that's, like, empowering about sex... Like, you don't want to just say say, this is a song that's empowering about sex. Like, Anaconda Mm. is a sex-positive song. You Mm. don't want to then say that that's the slutty song.
1: No, no. It's such a loaded term. Yeah. Like, some people would probably prefer not to use it at all for the act of enjoying sex and having a lot of sex. Yeah. Mm.
0: So unless someone releases a song that's... I'm a slut and I love it and being a slut's great. Yeah, 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 yeah I'm using jazz
1: <laughs> I think we need to release that song
0: Okay, if we get to 100 subscribers to our Patreon <laughs> We will release <laughs> Which
1: doesn't exist Which
0: doesn't exist yet <laughs> Yet. So that's how many subscribers we need to get to our Non-existent Patreon Just write to Patreon and say I am giving money to Jim and Kirsty, And they'll know what to do with that Mm-hmm, mm-hmm All Um right. And I think the distinction between what is part of the puzzle and what is, like, themed dressing is a really important thing to nail for steampunk in particular, Mm. because so much of steampunk is about unnecessary dials and cogs Mm. and things that don't really do anything but are there for the aesthetic of it. Just so that everyone's on the same page, I fully acknowledge that I am a recovering steampunk. My early twenties were filled with all sorts of top hats and goggles and uh, modified Nerf blasters and things like that. So I have more than a passing knowledge of the aesthetics of steampunk.
1: Mm. I just, I I just really respect that you lived your truth in your early twenties, when. You know, I thought the witchy and pagan look was so very cool but I was too ashamed to wear it because I thought people might make fun of me and now, now I am making up for it.
0: Yeah, because yeah, he's a full-on witch, everyone.
1: Yeah, I am. Anyway, we were talking about game design and set dressing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you think we've finished talking about that?
0: Going back to unnecessary dials and set dressing in this room is that When I was going through it, I remember thinking, oh, there are lots of cogs and dials that don't do anything. Like, this is the sort of worst self-parody of Steampunk that I could think of. But then all of those dials and cogs were used in puzzles, I think. I don't think there was anything that was left um, unused.
1: Well, yeah, the the only cogs that were left unused were the ones that were very clearly super-glued to the wall. They were very clearly part of a set yeah. and not functional.
0: Oh, and we had the... So we've had the problem twice in the past where we've been polite and not wanted to touch something because it we think it's just set dressing and we don't want to damage it. Um, this time we managed to take stuff off the wall before we were supposed to be able to. Mm. Um, so... We got some things off the wall by sort of undoing the screws that were holding them there and put them in, uh, put them where they needed to go. And then later on, we found some tools to help us get them off the wall and we spent the rest of the room trying to desperately figure out what we were supposed to do with these tools because yes. we'd already done the thing that they were supposed to be used for.
1: Yes, I, I think that's a symptom of us um, having done a couple of non-linear escape rooms. Um in between overthrown and steampunk submarine, because I think one of the things that uh, is kind of a signature move of Funzone is their rooms are very linear. You need to complete one puzzle, and that will activate the next puzzle. Mm. And so I'd forgotten about that. There were four of us in the room a couple of people were working on one puzzle and I thought, I'll leave them to it and I'll have a look around the other room. And that's when I pulled the things off the wall.
0: And because of that, when we finished the room, the person who was working in front of house there when we asked what those tools were for, they said it was to get this thing off the wall and told us that we had very strong fingers. And I think that's sort of the only context that you can tell someone that they have strong fingers is when, is specifically in this escape room. I can't think of any other context when it's an okay compliment to tell someone that they've got strong fingers.
1: If they are doing the monkey bars.
0: Oh. Mm. Yeah. Just at school
1: action- it was a clout thing. If you could do the monkey bars and you got that callus across your palm. Mm. Yeah, like if you got a couple of calluses across your palm, that was that was a bit of clout yeah. in the playground. Okay,
0: so it's that and this escape room. Yes. Also, as Kirsty mentioned there, we had two people join us in the room because this is a room that requires at least three people to be able to do it. And Yes, you definitely need at least three people. We just got by with four.
1: Mm. Yeah, I I feel like if you only had three people, it would be tough. Yeah. Yeah, it would be doable, mm. but you probably wouldn't get on the new list.
0: Yes. And the other thing that we should say that we realised when putting out some of the more recent episodes is that we make references to our pilot episode all the time, so if there's anything that we've said, if there's anything that we've said in the past few episodes that anything doesn't make sense Anything
1: at all yeah,
0: if, if there's just one thing that you go, what what are they talking about? It's a reference to the pilot It's mm. not us being incomprehensible It's a reference to the pilot
1: We established a lot of law. Speaking of law, do you want to go to The Hinterland?
0: Yes I do, off we go Whee! If there's a clue you don't understand hint alive.
1: so the hint system at funzone I am a huge fan of mm-hmm. it is incredibly straightforward you can have three hints if you want to remain on the new list and if you want to forfeit your uh, potential place on the new list you can have as many hints as you want also, The hints are tailored to your particular needs and they are given to you by a real human person.
0: Well, in addition to that, when you ask for a hint over the walkie-talkie, you get hints from a real human person. But there's an automated thing built into the room that if you're struggling with whatever puzzle it is that you're up to, they have pre-recorded hints that give sort of vague advice Mm. about the puzzle that you should try to solve.
1: Mm. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the hints at FunZone.
0: Exactly, because it's not taking away from your enjoyment. Like, if you're frustrated at something, you can get the answer to it. Mm. And the people who are going to want to avoid asking for too many hints are the purists who will want to be trying to get onto the leaderboard anyway.
1: Mm. Yes. But I feel like um, as we come to the end of Hinterland, I might want to segue into a puzzle that we ask for the most hints for. And that was the puzzle that I kind of disliked the most. Mm -hmm. Mm. There was a puzzle that um, basically you had to push components in and out of a wall in order to get the clues. But you could not view the full component because you kept having to push it in and out of a wall. And so it got to the point where I was like, I could solve it if I wanted to sit here and grind but that is just not a fun puzzle to solve for me Mm -hmm. yes so the rest of the puzzles were pretty cool and fun
0: see I didn't mind that puzzle you didn't no I because uh, this is gonna sound like a brag one of my classic brags but I noticed that there was a marker on the thing to help you track uh, how much you would pushed it in or out
1: we used two hints on that puzzle yeah yeah
0: we used two hints on that puzzle in the end. one to ask us one to ask in general how to do it, and then one to ask for the answer when we couldn't do it.
1: Yeah, well, you could probably do it, but actually, at that point, I noticed the one other floor, the the one other gripe I had about that room, and perhaps about fun zone in general. It's that the ventilation is not super great. Mm-hmm. And so, You know, I know that the room in world is supposed to be a sinking submarine, but I didn't want to feel like I was in a sinking submarine, and at that point, I kind of did. It was very hot and clammy, and I was starting to sweat a little, and I thought, ugh, I'm not particularly comfortable. And when you're not comfortable, you're not in the best kind of state for solving
0: puzzles. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So the next time we go to Fun Zone, we will be wearing...
1: We'll be wearing cutie little bikinis.
0: And we will probably get thrown out of center place.
1: Yeah, probably. <laughs> Actually, for real, we'll probably be wearing either wizard robes if we do the Harry Potter Rome. Rome, Harry Potter in when, Rome. When, when in Rome. When in Rome. Or, if we're doing the jungle room, I think we could wear bikinis because that is kind of in what... We can wear (laughs) loincloths. Like Tarzan. (laughs) And I'm incredibly jacked, like Tarzan.
0: Yeah, so the heating thing, maybe that's just the way that the space is going to be because they got a certain amount of space and they can't get air conditioning into it Mm. or whatever. Um, It could also be a teething problem because... We know that they only opened recently. They were about to open just before Aotearoa New Zealand went into lockdown back in March? Yeah, March.
1: Was it March? Cripes.
0: Yeah. And then they were able to reopen in June, or actually open. So I think there are a few issues that might be resolved now that they've had a chance to see a bunch of people going through the room
1: They they might just not be aware of it because you don't tend to play your own room once it's up and running
0: true true mm. um the other thing that caught my attention was that at the beginning of the room there's a audio cue that plays where someone in character explains the premise of the room and gives you a hint for the first thing that you need to do but when we came in there was the person who was on front of house said okay so in a second you're going to hear an audio file that says blah 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 and explain the premise of the room and the first thing you need to do is blah 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 blah. and then they left which made me feel like they don't have confidence in their own audio files and the thing that they played was fine Mm -hmm. so I don't know what it is that that people aren't doing because of that audio file that they want them to do
1: I think potentially it's not the audio file or its efficacy. I think it's the fact that they're encouraging first-time escape room players who might not know that that is a clue. They might just think that it's world-building. And so, you know, I couldn't say if it was my first escape room whether I would pay a... Noisy character voice over a speaker, any mind, and so maybe they're just compensating for the fact that they do get some walk ups and some first time players.
0: You just drop the word efficacy so naturally. Oh, I love you, you so much. <laughs>
1: I love you too.
0: So Lily Putt funds Zone Escape Rooms at Center Place. If you're listening, have have faith in yourself. We believe in you.
1: We believe in you. You've, got, yeah, you've got this. Yeah, you've got this. You can't always hold their hands. Sometimes you've got to let them go.
0: Yeah. Let them go. Let them go. We're gonna be sued by Disney.
1: <laughs> well, they are too. This has been a excellent, a rambly episode. Uh,
0: What would you rate this room out of five?
1: Oh, okay. I'm taking half a point off for the hot and sweatiness, and another half point off for the push it into the wall puzzle. So it'll be four industrial magnets out of five.
0: I'm going to add a full point on for it being hot and sweaty, Uh, but disappointed that it wasn't hot and sweaty enough that we all got a little freaky. (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to say four brass farthings out of five.
1: Not four penny farthings?
0: Four farthings of any description. Okay. Well, time for us to go back into the submarine and dive down to the depths to kill this monster in the hope that that lifts the curse Mm. of this episode. Pray for us, old chaps. And if you're listening to this and you too find yourself beleaguered by the curse of the steampunk submarine room, then get drunk and f- follow us on Instagram and rate us five stars, five stars, five, five, stars. five stars on <laughs> Apple Point, <Keist. laughs>
1: And subscribe to our YouTube channel. C- Kais, if
0: we don't have a YouTube channel. <laughs> But one day we might. This feels like it's racist about an accent that doesn't exist.
1: Yes, it's racist about the imaginary Glunkel people.
0: (laughs) Bye.